Hi, it's Scott Hamilton, Rockfile, back with another podcast. Not a review this time. I thought it'd be fun to do another question and answer session. So I put it up in my uh, group last night, and I have several questions that are worth answering. So let's get started. Andy Rush, going through the fire and ice concept, I was thinking that it would be fun to ask which bands you like from totally opposite genres. Well, the whole fire and ice thing just kind of came about. We were looking for a name for radio station. Um, at the time, coming up with the name Rockfile Radio was easy because that was my fraternity nickname called the company Rockfile Media. So, um, But wanted a way to differentiate the radio stations without calling them Channel 1, Channel 2, or Rockfile 1, Rockfile 2, or Rockfile Rock and Rockfile Prague. Just wanted to come up with something simple and a concept that we could carry on into other things um, because I have ideas for other radio stations and had other names and I, I just tried to kind of fit this around. Um, Ice for some reason popped out and then the whole fire, ice, water, air, earth, metal, wood kind of thing was like, okay, now this is a concept. I Because I didn't really want to do fire and ice. Eight years later, I named the group fire and ice, so obviously I don't hate the idea. Um, because there's a lot of, there's a fire and ice movie. There's, it's a concept, you know, there's a lot of things out there, fire and ice. But the plan was to have more than two, so it would never be just fire and ice. But budgetary limitations and the ever-changing landscape of internet radio Things were unsure right there in the mid-years when I was planning to expand, so we put expansions on hold and really super-served the two we have until we got to a point where we could do something else. And as things are these days, it's a good time to work on expanding things that are providing people with entertainment and information in a time when people have time to view it. We were all, you know, six months ago, incredibly busy doing a thousand things a day, now we're looking for Facebook groups to join, podcasts to listen to, streaming to listen to. There are certain industries that are actually doing pretty well during all this, and I think it's the time is ripe to mine what's out there for people that want entertainment options. And I think my two radio stations are great options. So anyway, getting off the tangent there, uh, I posted in an email today that I have plan immediate plans for a couple more radio stations, and that would be a metal station and a classic rock station, just letting you guys know first. Um, we'll do the crowdfunding thing. They're not expensive to get off the ground, and then we can take it from there. But I have a couple metal experts that I talked to years ago when we tried to do this the first time. They're still chomping at the bit, ready to, to help. Um, classic rock is just something I think that I, I hear a lot of classic rock stations out there that aren't very good. And and I want to do one that's right. So that's just my opinion. But I have a professional opinion of 35 years in this business. So there you go. So to go back to Andy's question, my collection, because I've been in radio so long and because I was a music lover before I got into radio, my tastes are incredibly diverse. I tried to be a guitar player in fifth grade. I wasn't taught very well. Uh, I became a trumpet player in sixth grade and I played all through middle school, high school, college. I was president of the band. I was first chair. I've won awards and trophies and medals and all that kind of stuff and really loved being in music. But when I got to college, I kept playing, but decided I didn't really want a career making music or teaching music because, well, that just wasn't, I don't know, it didn't speak to me. And I was starting radio and TV. 
So anyway, my tastes are very varied. So it was kind of easy when I read this question last night to go, well, what would be the exact opposites? Uh, ABBA on one end and Scar Symmetry or Obscura on the other. I, I, I'm, like I said, trumpet, guitar. <clears throat> I can sing a little bit. I can read music. I can write music. I'm a fan of music in general. And I like pop, jazz, hip hop some country, some dance. I get bored with things that aren't very good or not very well written or not very well executed. Or I, you know, if I know where a song is going a minute or two before it gets there, it's kind of like watching a boring movie. I know where this is going. Why do I want to finish it? I'm kind of that way with music. That being said, I have a professional opinion on things, you know, that, that, some things work on the radio that wouldn't be in my personal listening repertoire in my collection. But I have many different moods, as most humans do. I have enough music to cover just about anything that comes up, and then some. I have over 15,000, uh, probably these days almost 20,000 albums. And um, on CD and digital, I stopped collecting vinyl. It's too heavy to move around. When you get into numbers like that, that's just silly weight. So anyway, my I run from very light pop and jazz, you know, things that won't offend anything. And I listen to some pretty, pretty hardcore stuff. But again, it's all got to be musical. Uh, the Like Scar Symmetry. I'm, I'm not full-on growly bands or Obscura, but Obscura is so technically precise. They're like Rush on steroids. It, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's just, for me as a musician, entertaining to figure out how these guys pull that off. Uh, Scar Symmetry is a similar thing. They're very technical, and I like the fact that when Christian was in the band, um, he could do both the growls and the melodic singing, and he has a beautiful voice. They now have two singers to make up for Christian's leaving the band, but anyway, I'm, I haven't follow them as much since him I follow him because he's a very talented dude so anyway that's my fire and ice concept and a lot of elaboration on why that's even in the repertoire here um Harry Rowe asks have any celebrities you know shared with you how they feel about how some people think celebrities should keep their personal views about various things private not looking for a name drop in my entire career I have tried to not do the shock jock thing I've kind of been the antithesis of the Howard Stearns of the world knowing that I could be immensely more popular if I was controversial. Um, but I think that's a conscious choice to do that. And I don't, I don't know. I, my parents are no longer with us, but I think they're listening at some point and I, and I don't want to offend them. <laughs> Does that make any sense? I've always been the nice guy. I was born and raised in Atlanta. Uh, uh, gentlemen, please. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. No, you know, I, these are, these are still in my DNA. And as a disc jockey interviewing people, I never wanted to get into their personal lives more I've explained to a couple of these people, you, there's at least 35 interviews up on my podcast right now from the last few years, um, and I'll be adding more as I find them. Some of these things were on tape, and I have to dub them, you know, that kind of thing. But in the modern world, I'm saving them everything to digital now, and, and we'll have copies of everything. But anyway, um, I have talked to some artists off the microphone about that such a thing. Um, and it's very interesting, the responses this will play into, so I won't get too deep into it. One of the later questions asked about personas, uh, the difference between a public persona and a, and a you know, a private, I guess. Um, but so, some celebrities have found in modern times they have to be more open. Will Smith is a prime example and not somebody I've interviewed, but 
he is a prime example of he realized that in the modern world he can make a good movie or not, but people will get to know him better if he has a YouTube channel and he films his life. And so he's been putting life stuff on YouTube, and I think he's brought down that barrier of what, you know, is personal and not. Some artists, some bands feel that it's not their place to comment on politics or government or anything like that because they're musicians. Others think it is their civic duty to do that because they have a platform and a voice. I have opinions on things, but I started my career and continue my career with the tenets that I was taught by my parents that there are just certain topics we don't talk about in public. And so you ask me my opinion on a movie. I've watched thousands of movies and I review them now. I, I, I own thousands of movies. I just I think I have a, a, a very informed opinion. I've seen most movies that have been released, you know, <laughs> at least at least the ones worthy of seeing. Same thing with music. I have a massive collection. I've worked in the industry for 35 years. I think I have an opinion on those things. I am not a political analyst. I vote for whoever is the best candidate at the time um, and base that on any kind of research that I do. So if somebody asks me a political opinion or a, uh, an opinion on a religious leader or a, you know opinion on some of those other things, that's not my, my forte. It's not my wheelhouse. I'm not paid to have an opinion on those things. And do I have a personal opinion? Sure. But again, there are certain things that you don't need to know about me that might change your perception of me or whatever. I don't call myself a liberal uh, or a conservative. I think there are no such things as 100% of those political terms. I think most people I meet are a little bit of both and some of neither. Um, I, I don't find that, that, you know, dividing us into teams does any good for anybody but the teams. Um, whether that be political, religious, <laughs> religious. Uh, thank you, Bill Maher, for putting that into my head. Um, religious or otherwise, there are just certain topics and certain things that I don't think that the musicians, artists need to get into. Um, that being said, there was a time that you could do a lot of good being an artist, you know, from Live Aid, uh, some of the things U2 did early on. I just think people got tired of hearing U2 always doing a cause and not just making music. I think that got to a point. Much like bands who make concept albums, people get tired of you know, make nothing but concept albums. You eventually kind of get tired and just want to hear some music. I, you know, I don't, just a. Let's pull that out of the air. But anyway, I. it's interesting that every artist has a different opinion on it. And my opinion is it's up to the artist. Um, to comment on something that everybody's still talking about, the guy from Trapped knowingly put out some controversially, controversial opinions from his band's site and his personal site. And I think he was wrong. Uh, he said why he did it, that more people come to the shows when he does that. Yes, is exactly why Howard Stern was popular and still is, because people want to hear what he's going to say next. He is a great interviewer. He is, he is, thank you, Mickey. Mickey agrees. He's a great interviewer, uh, not taking anything away from he does, but, you know, there's just certain topics I don't think you need to get into. Alan McGregor asked, there's usually some minor clamor for bands to get back together. And really, is there any good reason for them to do that without new material? I think the Stone Rose is getting back to you. <laughs> can you guys stop barking, please? I'm recording here. Thank you. You guys can play, though. So, yeah, sometimes if there's not new music, I consider it a cash grab, and I don't need to see that band. Unless it's somebody I never saw in their peak or whatever. Um, but Pink Floyd, the guys 
for years always said, we'll have, you'll, we will tour when there's new music. Otherwise, we're a nostalgia band. And that's the answer that I think every band needs to look at. The Eagles stopped putting out new music and continue to tour. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you're an Eagles fan, go see the Eagles. Pay a lot of money and go see those guys. They still sounded great all the way up till the end. Um, like I said, I saw Chicago a couple years ago. It's not all original members, but, man, they sounded great, and they really did a great job. Did they play any new stuff? No, there was no new stuff at that show. There is a difference between artists and entertainers, and when you go to the nostalgia point, if you're touring just to have the fans see you again, make some money, tour the world, for whatever reason, the Rolling Stones and some of these other bands continue to do it. Rolling Stones tend to put out a new album, though. You know, a lot of some of these other bands don't. Um, some of them are just doing reunion tours to do reunion tours. Motley Crue, we're not going to tour ever again. Okay, let's do a stadium tour with Def Leppard. Unfortunately, it got postponed. Motley Crue's not one of those bands that I ever need to see get back together for that reason. Def Leppard still sounds pretty good. You know, Joe Elliott can still hit most of the notes, and the band is tight. They're well rehearsed. They're well played. You know. So anyway, if you're a fan of the band, is it a cash grab? Sure. The Police did a reunion tour, and I don't know if that was as much we need the money as one more time for this great band that everybody liked. It was a great tour. Um, there was no new music involved, and I was fine with it. Uh, paid the money, bought the tickets, paid a lot of money to park, and really enjoyed the show. Don't have a problem with that at all. There are other bands that need to stop. Um, I don't want to piss on anybody's favorite band or singer, but Don Dockin is one of those guys that could probably, dude, retire now. You've done enough. Um, I saw Dockin open for Queensryche. He only had half the band. Um, he wasn't fully in the show. He didn't hit all the notes. You know, he was there barely. I was disappointed. I, I saw Dokken at their peak. George Lynch is a monster. The band was tight. He sounded great. This was embarrassing for him and the band. That would be a cash grab. They just opened up for Queensryche because they could. Um, I'm against that. I, I It was sad to see. Still like him. Still listen to the old albums and everything. And, and like I said, I don't want to uh, criticize anybody. He was probably great the next night. But very poor performance and not the reason I would be up there that's just me but i don't know i'm you know i've never made a gazillion dollars touring the world maybe that's a drug that you just can't unhook from i don't know you know i i know that being on stage and introducing somebody in front of 15 20,000 people is a big rush when you're a radio guy and go here's the foo fighter you know that's that's a major that's a i get that um i've been on stage with bands uh you know playing trumpet and things like that and gotten a little bit of that. So, you know, I, I do get it. And, and and like I talked in the previous podcast, there is a groove that you get into when you're playing music with other humans that people who haven't done that don't understand that feeling, but that's as good as sex. It's, it's a really amazing feeling. I can understand that touring might be like that. To continue talking about George Lynch, Tim Hendricks posted George Lynch, my favorite guitarist, just pulled the plug on using Lynch Mob and the future recordings are touring because of the tension right now. Sure, hey, there's a side note music history, but it's sad they had to pull that out. He said in his statement that he hasn't used it in a while. And to be perfectly honest, it never... For the fans, it was always something to hold on to him when he was no longer in Dokken or when he was doing something separate from Dokken. But as far as radio goes, Lynch Mob never had any hits. They never really struck gold. That name never really was synonymous with George Lynch, per se, in the radio industry as far as hits go, billboard, that kind of stuff. 
So it is a shame that some things like that, I think he... It, he made more press by dropping it than using it. You know what I mean? Had he used it, maybe somebody would have called him out on controversy, but I think most people would have gone, oh, George Lynch put out another solo album kind of thing. Um, I think doing the right thing actually earned him more kudos than cost him. Because like he said, he hasn't been using that as a thing. So I don't know. Uh, every every situation like that, every every time something comes up, you know, Roger Waters capitalized on the wall. He didn't put Pink Floyd together, but when Germany was tearing down the wall, he performed in Berlin. That, you know, was that a cash grab? Was it a, for the right reasons? It, it, you know, bands do things to capitalize on the time, whether it's to keep momentum going or keep their name in the lights or whatever. And in the George Lynch case, I think he did the right thing because, well, I Lynch mob is a generic term that was... You, used in many other connotations other than what's going on with racism in the country. It was used, you know, lynch mobs were cowboy things long before it was a racist thing. Um, but still, you know, do you want to be a metal band with a hardcore name that everybody goes, <gasps> yes, he probably doesn't at this point. If, if, the, if the name of your band is going to make people think of you a certain way, then maybe it's time to rest the band if that's not something you want to continue that's, you know, it's his intellectual property to do with as he sees fit. But I understood. I, I read that when he posted that the other day and thought, yeah, in his case, I don't think it hurts anything. If U2 wants to retire the name because a U2 bomb, you know, a U2 spy plane did something horrible, which is why they named the band in the first place, by the way. Uh, can you hear this in the microphone? My dogs have been playing for like the last question. Um, but I'm on a roll, so I don't want to stop. But anyway, you know, it, it, if you're a huge band and the band is like we talked about in a previous podcast is the brand, the band has become the brand. It would be hard to stop using it in George Lynch's case. He wasn't really using Lynch mob and he got better pressed by saying he wasn't going to use it anymore. Carrie Lee Rogers asks, what insights do you have on how stage presence and character are a paradox to the life? Some artists lead talking about Alice Cooper, James Hetfield, etc." It's interesting. Um, that is something I've talked about a lot with artists uh, themselves. Some guys on stage are exactly how they are backstage. Uh, guys, gals, I, I'm using guys as a general term. Some artists on stage are exactly the same backstage. They are, when they're up there, it's just them. And it's it's impressive and it's interesting. And some of those are the artists that cut through. That They're not... My favorite guy, Stephen Wilson, you know, he's, he's, we are not like anything like each other personally, except we're like huge music heads. He's a vegetarian. He's got some views on things that I don't agree with. Um, but I love the guy's music and it speaks to me. I have interviewed him. I have seen him in a personal performance a couple of times on the acoustic guitar and I've seen him on stage at a big show. He's the same guy. There is no persona to it. And then there are artists who greatly exaggerate the persona. Alice Cooper is a down-to-earth, he likes horror movies and playing golf. It is a persona when he puts on that makeup, but there is a, a, a blending there. James Hetfield is a family guy. He likes water skis and, and motorcycles and, and cars and things like that. And he's a dude. And some of that comes through, but yes, he's different. What I, I more find interesting is the X factor, that factor that makes that lead singer or that front person different than other front people. Um, the biggest ones I can think of, people like Jim Morrison and, and Michael Hutchins of NXS, they are guys that just dripped 
charisma that when they spoke, people listened just because. And yes, some of the people in the group, because they were beautiful. Okay, they're good-looking guys. But but besides that, they have a magnetic charisma when they're performing that you cannot deny. Freddie Mercury, dude, was not a pretty dude. You know, he eventually found an image that works for him but man the dude has that that x factor that when he goes on stage and he picks up a microphone you are enraptured you are just entranced and um Edie Brickell of Edie Brickell and New Bohemians, Natalie Merchant, I, I mean not to not mention female artists, but there are artists of that caliber that I've listened to their music and then I go see them live or I interview them or I meet them and it's just like oh wow you know, uh, being in the room with Steven Tyler, being in the room with the Van Halens, you know, it, it, these are people not just because I've listened to their albums a thousand times and I finally get to meet them and there's that, oh, wow factor. But these people are who they are because of who they are. Uh, Ed Kowalczyk of Live, even when he was a nobody, I met them when they first came out. Um he just had this charisma. We were like, he's going to be the next Bono. He's going to be the next Michael Stipe. He's just got something that draws people to listen to him speak, to sing, to play guitar, whatever they do. I don't know. Um, and as far as there being a paradox between some, that is what makes the artist interesting, that every time I sit down with an artist, I don't know if they're going to be exactly like they are on stage, are they going to be the exact opposite person of they are on stage. But I do find in the industry, most of the artists that um, stand the test of time, a lot of them are on the stage. A lot of them come through and they talk to the audience in between songs and stuff. And and I don't find that there is much. I think people that wear masks and, and makeup and things like that are trying to put a wall up for a reason. You can read a whole bunch of people smarter than me talking about that from Roger Waters on down about uh, uh, of the wall that is uh, inherently between an artist and their fans. And... I think in modern times, especially in the 21st century, we're seeing people cut through that. Myself, personally, as a radio guy, I was always a huge fan of, you were a fan of my voice and what I say on the radio, but I could walk through the, the supermarket and nobody recognized me. Yet, I was in Walmart one day and I was talking to somebody on the phone and somebody came around the corner and said, I know your voice from somewhere. I kid you not, that has actually happened. Um, but in the early days of radio, it was nice to have that mystique. You, I can't tell you how many times I went to remote and thought, I've heard, I thought you would be bigger. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not. You know, it's, I'm 5'9 and 165 to 170 pounds right now. Um, but, you know, there's a perception when you hear a voice, there's a mystique that goes along with it, that we meet the art, you know, whatever. And now that's changed, that if a radio station doesn't put up pictures of the disc jockey or put up, you know, me actually interviewing the artist you don't believe it actually happened you think we put put these things together in a studio or whatever so that has changed for me personally that now I try to be my persona that that I always said there was a division of who you heard on the radio especially when I'm working on formats that I don't listen to when I'm working at a top 40 station I haven't listened to top 40 music since I was in my 20s uh, for the most part I do have the Billie Eilish albums and I do enjoy listening to them um, and a few other pop artists of today but when I'm talking on a pop radio station I'm talking to that audience you know I am going to mention the things that they're interested to and not talk about the things they're not 
when I do a rock interview, I don't bring up quantum physics or, you know, foreign subtitled films, unless I know that the person's into it. It's funny, for Richard Henschel, the guitarist for Haken's birthday, I posted an interview I did with him two years ago, and we did talk about uh, foreign subtitled martial arts movies, because he's a huge fan, and he has knowledge about it. Um, And that goes to the same reason why I spread out my interest into different groups and pages, because people who like my cute little dogs aren't always into the progressive metal that I post or whatever. Um, so yeah, there is a paradox to some, but I think it's now it's become uh, people that can create art, create content, seem to be multifaceted people. They're not just what their job is. They're not just what they are on Facebook or whatever, that they have other interests, they have other things. And I think it's interesting to delve into that. And that's what I try and do. When I interview people, I interview from a a fan perspective, whether I am or not. The questions are all what I think you guys want to hear. You know, it's not every once in a while I throw in one that I want to know, dude, why did you do this on that album? But I try not to get too specific because most artists don't remember why they played a certain note on a certain album 10 years ago. It's not always, you know, that's not always top of their mind, but ask them what they do when they're on tour and you find out that they like, swamping or you know whatever uh i found some interesting things by asking some weird questions about toothpaste or underwear or whatever and gotten into some personal things and then that goes back to that earlier question and carrie's question of do we still have the paradox or the distance between the artist and the public now that interviewers will ask just about anything and find out that personal stuff i don't know um some artists have an x factor some artists get popular through hard work Um, I have met some artists who are million-selling, multi-platinum artists who really didn't carry on much of a conversation or have too many other things to say. And that was a paradox to me, that on stage they're this sparkling person and and behind the scenes they were tired perhaps or just maybe not into it. But, you know, I've, I've had the opposite thing happen as well. Kirsten asks, if you had the chance to form any supergroup of your favorite musicians, who would you pick and why? Wow. Um, this will be a list of my personal, personal, again, some of my radio breaks, some of my podcasts are for the audience that I'm talking to in that podcast, if that makes any sense. Um, so my favorites, David Gilmore is my favorite guitarist of all time. Gavin Harrison is the heir to Neil, as far as I'm concerned. He'd be on drums. Geddy Lee is one of my favorite bass players. Jordan Root is on keys. And to pick a singer, I had a really hard time just picking one. So I, that one I will leave open at the time because we're looking for a vocalist in the supergroup. Thank you for the questions. We're going to do this. I do it on a regular basis because these are interesting. It's different than reviewing for me. And I have some reviews I'm going to post. I really like the questions. It's interesting, and it has me delve into other things. And sorry if I got off on topic, off topic on a couple of them, but that's kind of what you get with these podcasts. It's a forum where I, I, I'm making the connection with you and letting you into some of my thoughts about some of this stuff. Anyway, I just had a conversation this morning with a gentleman who's doing some work on the house about modern times are different and those that can adapt and adjust uh, will survive and 
this is a good time to do podcasts where I let you guys know who I really am. So thank you for the questions and thank you for listening. The website is therockfile.com. Um, that will give you links back to the radio stations. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you can listen to podcasts. Um, I'm being added to Audible as we speak. Pretty cool. I like Audible quite a bit. Books on tape are really cool. Um, I also have a Patreon page if you'd like to support. Merch is available for the radio stations. There's got to be some more merch being added to the shop soon, especially with a new project that is coming. Oh, boy, is this going to be big. I can't wait to talk about it. So anyway, more podcasts, more reviews, more questions. Please join the groups because uh, in a week, you guys are seeing those posts like 100 times more than anything I've posted on the page in years. Absolutely love the groups. Join us. They're free, and I won't spam you, I promise. I'm Scott Hamilton. Thank you so much for listening. I will catch you on the next one. Bye.